Well, we're going to look at two verses this morning in our journey through Galatians. And I won't do a recap because of time in terms of our, um, our journey with Galatians. But you've got pretty much the idea that Paul is battling against a prodigal church who has drifted offline. Also, a battle has taken place with the Apostle Peter in terms of their communication because of uh, Peter's desire to please the Jewish circumcised party to connect with them and uh, to please them. He was somehow moving away from the purity of the gospel. And Paul challenged him. And we saw that verse. He challenged him face to face and uh, very powerful. And at the end of all of this, where he's talked about his story, he's talked about who has bewitched you, he's talked about the danger of drifting away from the purity of the gospel and all that the gospel does and the power of the gospel to change lives and to rescue us in this evil age. He comes to two verses that we want to just look at before we take communion. The two verses are are here now. When you look at the two verses here, verse 15 and verse 16, we see that the English translators have taken this and they've turned it into basically, of course, two sentences. Two sentences. But in the original Greek, what Paul was aiming to simply do, he was aiming to take his previous arguments and points in chapter 1 and into chapter 2 and bring them together in what I want to describe to you as a nutshell. He wants to get it clear. And in the original Greek, it is one sentence. It's like he takes a deep breath and he just speaks the one sentence out and then at the end of it, finishes. But of course, um, we have our English uh, our grammar and so on, so we have two sentences. But it is meant to be one sentence, making the clear point that the only way of salvation is through being justified, made right, being accepted, things being put correct, your debt being paid, your judgment being lifted, freedom coming into your life. The only way that can take place is through the work and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, we who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles is making a statement about who and what, how they view themselves, Jews and Gentiles. Know that a person is not justified by the works of law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Full stop. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. He's pretty clear here that salvation does not come through the works of the law, but the only, if you like, ticket you get comes as a free gift to introduce you to the glories of the kingdom of God. It's nothing you can work for. It's nothing you can do. It is something that is given to you out of a gift of God's grace, out of the way that God loves you and God reaches you. We don't in our culture so much battle with the idea of the works of the law to be saved. That's not always part of our battle. 
Although even when John the Baptist preached at the beginning, he called the Pharisees who believed that they were believers and saved, if you like, because of their status, because of their smug position, because of their religiousness, they were saved. And what did John the Baptist say in Matthew's gospel? Matthew, who is writing to a Jewish audience, simply says that John the Baptist preached, you brood of vipers. In other words, you think you're a child of Abraham, But what you think is you presume that you are saved by virtue of just simply because of who you are. But you are not saved because of simply of who you are. And you therefore are religious, but you are still sinning in your heart. You're still acting the wrong way. You're still being a hypocrite. And you need true repentance. And only true repentance comes through the work of the heart that happens in our lives. And they believe that somehow, of course, and by Peter eating at the table of the Jews and excluding the Gentiles from the party, he was sending a message that it's Jesus plus the law. But of course, in today's society, we often think that there are other ways, Jesus Other ways that we feel we're okay. Other ways, as it were, metaphorically, to get our ticket to heaven. This last week was quite a week. But something unusual happened to Michelle and I. We, uh, Michelle, who's on Instagram, she entered a competition to go to a concert. And so she was Instagramming. It was by Kelowna Now. You can win free tickets to this concert. And lo and behold, she entered it. She did what it was. And she's always entering competitions. Hasn't really won anything. Uh, And then she comes to me. She said, I've won some tickets for us to Penticton. And we're going to go. We're going to see a band. I said, oh, fantastic. Who are we seeing? Rascal Flats. I said, who is that? (laughs) She said, I don't know. But they're $127 US per ticket. I said, oh, they must be pretty famous. I've never heard of them. Um, And we go to Penticton. I said, what kind of music is it? She said, country and western. I said, great. Um, (laughs) I want free tickets to go and see a country and western band. Now, I did arrive there and there were people that I, I didn't expect to be there. Uh, Ken and Tierra were there. The Enzies were there. There were others of you who have admitted as you've came into church because you spotted me. <laughs> Line dancing. Um, not really. I'm okay. I'm a true Mennonite. Uh, you spotted me at the event. But the thing was, I, we, we, we thought, well, is this true? Kelowna now. We got it. We drove down. Um, went with the Bergs and we went in and... Um, uh, gave them some free tickets. They knew exactly who we were talking about. And, uh, and there we were. Oh, gosh, you're the winners. Well done. And here are your free tickets. And, of course, getting entry into somewhere, um, of course, depends on certain things. And when you gain entry to somewhere, and this whole conversation is how one gains entry into the kingdom of God. How do you gain entry? You see, there was a, a research done recently amongst North American teenagers who are now millennials. 
And they were asked questions about the way of salvation. And they were asked questions about matters of the soul and matters of the heart. And the teenagers gave the answers. And as the teenagers gave the answers, they, they made five very clear statements. Number one was this whole idea that, yes, they believed, those that believed in God, God existed and God created all things, but he has stepped back from the world and basically he's not really involved in anything to do with humanity, was the overall idea. Step number two and belief number two, they believed that actually all you have to do in life is be good and fair to other people and that is enough to please God. Step number three, the research showed, is that really what God is most interested in is your happiness. And that's what God really cares. Point number four from the research said that you only truly need God and only turn to God when you have a major problem within your life. A crisis, an event, something happens, something that is present within your life. And number five... Point number five, only good people go to heaven. Now, I want to suggest to you that this is a form of our society in the same way that the Jews had a belief that it was the law. Therefore, you are circumcised. You do not eat food that is outside of the uh, teachings of Exodus. You do not engage in certain activities You abide by the rules, you celebrate the festivals, and by virtue of your birth, then you get your free ticket to the Rascal Flack's heavenly concert that naturally comes through. Now, we we don't depend on that in our own thinking in the Western world. And you could easily replace that that people believe that they are justified, how? Through just being okay. I kind of call it the theology of the fonds. That that you kind of go, if you're that old and remember that moment, (laughs) that you have to to live like the fonds, hey, everything's okay, and you have to sort of conduct your life like the Waltons. Um, And so, so... so, so salvation comes down to a mixture of, of, of Santa Claus and a mixture of, of being good and being fair and being a really nice person. But this is not what the Bible teaches. The Jews presumed that they were saved because of their position. And the Teachings of Christ clearly said that God is after the heart and after every one of us. And three is the Messiah. And true salvation, true justification only comes through the power of Christ. And through the gospel. And through justification. And in our society, we could easily replace this have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ Jesus and not by being a really nice person and not by being fair to everybody and not by traveling through life being happy with everybody. Happiness is not the goal and the objective. The objective of the salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ is that we are made right only in one way. And that is through being justified, 
judged correctly through Jesus Christ, that we are forgiven. And you cannot do that through being so good and being so nice and being so happy and being so right and such a lovely person because we are wretched sinners and all of us are sons and daughters of wrath and we need a salvation and that salvation comes as a free gift from heaven through the gift of the son of God to the world nailed upon the cross that's how it comes and justification has been the great battle within the church, of course, 500, over 500 years ago with Martin Luther. But there's another way that you might have this kind of okay approach, and I only need God when there's a problem. When the Rubik's Cube falls into my life and I've got to solve this difficulty, it suddenly is there, God help me. But there's those that think they are okay with their ticket because they do just enough. And they've done just enough religiously to get into heaven. I've been to many funerals, particularly in the United Kingdom, where the national church is Anglican and we're all christened as Anglicans within our country, generally speaking. And I've often been there with the, at funerals with the Anglican priest. And as he stands there in his robes and he stands there before the coffin, he talks to the family and he indicates that because the individual was christened as an infant, therefore somehow there is some hope because that person has been christened as an infant and that person has lived a good and fair life and has lived a happy life, that there is a little bit of hope that they may make it into the kingdom of God. That is not what the gospel teaches. The gospel teaches that the only way to the kingdom of God, the only signpost that shows us the direction to the kingdom of God is not being good enough and not being fair enough, not being a happy person, not sort of just sort of believing in God in a kind of spiritual Oprah Winfrey way. That does not get you into the kingdom of God. What gets you into the kingdom of God is having faith and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you have faith on Jesus Christ, because I can't not good and I can never be good enough. I can never be fair enough. I can never be happy enough. I can never be that person that, that's the somehow or just about religious enough to indicate that I'm going to get the ticket to the great concert in the sky, if you like, and front seats on the great resurrection when the dead will rise and the trumpet will sound and the glory will come and the, and the curtains of eternity will open and we will see the kingdom of God descending. I, am, I can't get there by just being those things. How can I get there? Well, the writer to the Hebrews made it pretty clear. He said, what did he say in Hebrews 10 and 4? He says, the blood of goats and the blood of bulls was never enough to deal with the eternal 
universal issue of sin. It needed the one sacrifice that was eternal and global and God-given. And that one Lamb of God was Jesus Christ who gave his life for the whole of humanity. Only God is big enough to deal with the universal problem of sin. Only God can do that. And this is the nutshell of what Paul is trying to preach. Is what he's communicating. You are only made right. But it comes through faith. Through faith. It comes through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. And not through my abilities. It comes through faith. And yet faith in our society has even become this kind of throwaway statement. Everybody has faith. Even rascal flats have faith. Now I don't know, they probably do. I don't know, I've never met them and they they failed to invite me backstage for a chat. Uh, But everybody, it seems that everybody... You know, we've got an American election coming up soon, and, and, and everybody's going to have some kind of faith. And, and every, faith is this kind of thing, yes, I'm a person of faith. But of course, when, when Paul talks about it, he's not saying culturally, oh yes, I'm a person of faith. He's actually saying, not only is it faith, but let's take it one step forward in our context... It is about believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, having faith, and everything within your heart, you have decided to trust the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You have decided to utterly to trust Jesus. It's it's what he's saying. But by trusting, believing, let me put another word there, by clinging onto. Clinging unto Jesus Christ. We too have put our faith, our trust. We have clinged unto Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. That we may be justified by trusting, by clinging, by holding on to Jesus Christ. Not by works of the law. Not by being just about good enough. Not by being just about a fair person. Not by being just a little bit religious in the kind of English Anglican way. Not just about being that person. But because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. By the works of human optimism, nobody will be justified. You're only justified by putting your trust in the crucified Christ and the resurrected Lord. Justification. And so we've got to decide. We've begun the race in our Christian faith. And are you willing to keep running for Jesus? Are you willing to keep moving? Are you willing to keep serving? Are you willing to say, I've started this race, but I'm not going to go off course? As I said the other week, I'm going to keep on that beam. I'm going to keep my eyes focused. I'm going to keep my arms open. And if I happen to fall off, I'm going to get right back on that beam. Because I'm going to keep going the way of the narrow path, not the way of the wide road that leads to destruction. And each one of us, can know the glorious justification 
Being declared once bankrupt, now fully restored. Being declared once condemned, now fully forgiven. Being declared a renegade and a spiritual outlaw, but now being welcomed into the kingdom of God. Never being able to reach the target, never being able to pass the test, but suddenly he has stepped into our lives and he has said, come, I have done it all for you. I have paid the price for the crime. I have given you the way of salvation. I have justified you. And as we take communion now, and as we think about our baptism service ourselves, And maybe you're not baptized and this morning you know you need to be baptized. Come and see me. We'll find a way to baptize you. If you've truly repented and given your life to Jesus, we love it. But we can remember our baptism. We can remember all that Christ has done through communion. And through the example of Bonnie, we can remember that every one of us is on mission to win people to Jesus. Those three things. I've given my life to Christ. I acknowledge the cross. And I'm on mission. God has called me to be on mission. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we are greatly humbled by this verse. And Lord, we declare that we offer our whole lives over to you. And we invite you to come and live in our lives. Before I pray for the Emlands, may I ask you, you've come to church this morning, may I give you an opportunity to give your whole life to Jesus? say sorry for your sins and put your faith, your trust to cling on to the work of the cross. It starts with a prayer and it starts with you saying, I give my whole life to Christ. A prayer like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for living my life without you. And as you gave your whole life for me, I give my whole life to you. I turn away and I choose to follow you. I invite you into my life as my Lord and declare you as my King. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.